great glory and mystery of that day. We are in, and you know, we're going to look at Genesis if you've been here. Starting at verse 15 through 29 is our text this morning. I want this message Thank God's serious work. I encourage you to find Genesis 19 stand there by the arm. With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, Hurry, take your wife, your two daughters, who are here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand in the hands of his wife and his two daughters, led them safely out of the city. For the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, Flee for your lives. Don't look back. Don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. But Lot said to them, No, my lords, please. Your servant has found favor in your eyes, and you have shown great kindness to me in sparing my life. But I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster will overtake me, and I will die. Look, here's the town near enough to run to. It's small. Let me flee to it. It's very small, isn't it? Then my life will be spared. He said to him, Very well, I will grant this request too. I will not overthrow the town you speak of, but will flee there quickly because I cannot do anything if you reach it. That is why the town was called Zor. By the time Lot reached Zor, the sun had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, including all those living in the cities and also the vegetation in the land. But Lot's wife looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and returned to the place where he had stood before the Lord. He looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah, toward all the land of the plain, and he saw dense smoke rising from the land, like smoke from a furnace. So when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham, and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. Father, we take time to humble ourselves before you. Your word says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Father, it's dangerous when we try to lift ourselves up, Lord. We miss you, and you're the one we so desperately need. Father, as we look at this account in your word, speak to our hearts, God. I pray that we would just continue to hear from you. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to continue to fill this place in our hearts. That we may encounter you, the living God. Because, Father, we don't need to be entertained, ears tickling, or any of that stuff. We need you. So I just pray that you might be free to speak. And I pray you work well beyond me. In your name we pray. Amen. <coughs> it's another tough section of scripture. Five cities in the plain, beautiful cities, a beautiful area, the kind of place people probably brag about going on to a magnificent vacation because it's such a beautiful area. But 
But destruction is about to occur in this land. Um, A.W. Tozer once wrote, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So what do we think about God? Well, as you look in the scriptures and as you learn about God, you learn how amazing He is. Of course, you learn that He's a God of love. And we're so grateful that God so loved the world, right? That means all of us, they reach out and touch us. God is merciful. That means He doesn't give us what we really deserve. But he shows mercy. God is a God of grace, which means not only does He not give us what we do deserve, but He gives us what we don't deserve. That, that's the kind of God that we have. He's all-powerful. He's infinite. He's good. He's omniscient, which means He knows everything. He's omnipresent, which means He's everywhere at the same time. Boy, too much for my little head. I see the smoke coming as the gears start trying to figure that stuff out. He's beyond us. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the Savior yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. He's, he's constant. He's faithful. I love that verse on the night. It says, God is faithful and just. Yeah, he's just. He's righteous. He's sovereign. He's long-suffering. He's kind. Man, I like kind people. Especially when I think I'm going to get yelled at if somebody's kind. It's nice, isn't it? You know, when we think about those aspects of God, and you get the warm fuzzies, and we feel good about God, and, and I'm afraid too often, that's the message the only message we hear week after week. But that's incomplete. Although that's true of God, that's not the full picture of who God is. He's also righteous and He's holy, which means He's not like us. He's without sin. And He demands to be worshipped. And He demands that we do it His way. What is His way? The only way that he provided, which is Jesus Christ, who came without sin, who, who lived among us and, and showed love and, and showed who God is, and, and then he died on that cross. He was placed in the tomb, and then he was raised from the dead. We went to God's way. And when we neglect God, when we push God out of our lives, when we refuse to, to follow him, there's a limit to his patience. It says in Habakkuk chapter 1, um, verse 13, I believe it is. Um, Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. God's eyes are too pure to look on evil. He doesn't tolerate wrong. He's not a God that just, you know, wings at evil. Pass on that one that day. And that's not that's why Jesus had to come. And, and the truth of the matter is, the, the title of this sermon, as we look at this account, it comes back to a simple phrase. Take God seriously. Don't act like God is frivolous. Don't act like God is trivial. Don't act like God doesn't care about who we are and, and the way we live and our allegiance and, and our devotion and our hearts. He cares. He cares deeply. And as we look at this section of the scripture, we, 
We'll see that. As a matter of fact, remember in, in Genesis 6 5, and Noah comes on the scene and God looks around and he says, Wow, everywhere I look, all I see is evil. He says, Everyone does what is right in his own eyes. He doesn't care about me. I, I, I regret. I think it's Genesis 6 5. I even regret that, that I created me and he brought this flood. There was a limit to his patience. And then there was the Tower of Babel. Remember, they tried to build this big tower. We're going to reach up to the heavens and we're going to be up there even above God. And so God destroyed that tower. And then I think of the handwriting on the wall. You know, in the book of Daniel, this uh, you know, great king and leader, and he's so full of himself. And the handwriting on the wall says, Your kingdom is about to be destroyed this very hour. As the enemy was getting ready to invade the kingdom, there is a limit to God's holy patience. I thought of Romans 12 9. It says, But leave room for God's wrath, my friends. For it's written, It's mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And, and that's quoted from Deuteronomy 32. 35 It says, It's mine to avenge. I will repay. In due time, their foot will slip. Their day of disaster is near, and their doom rushes upon them. Their foot's going to slip. God's patience. He's, he's patient. He doesn't want anyone to perish. That's his heart. But the truth of the matter is, there is an end to his mercy. There's an end to where you can miss him. And you can miss what he's provided in Christ. As we look earlier in the scripture, we see Abraham. He was worried about his nephew in law, And he began to firmly pray. God, if there's 50 here who love you, will you spare Sodom? Will you spare that place? He says, if there's 40, you know, then he keeps going down. 35, 40. Is there 10? You can even find 10 righteous people. He would please spare, spare a lot, spare my family. That was his heart. That was his motivation as he was thinking about his family. Then we read about how the angels appeared, and we looked at that last week as the angels stood Lot and his wife and his daughters and you gotta get out of here. We've got to leave now. God's patience is ended. He, he is bringing his judgment. He's going to destroy this place. Get up. Leave. Let's head out. Wow. Notice as we look in the scripture, verse 15, they say, hurry. Take your wife. Your two daughters are here. Or you'll be swept away when the city is punished. It says when you hesitate. Verse 16, when you hesitate. What does that tell me? It says that Lot's a righteous man. It said that it would worry him as he looked around the city and he saw that people didn't love God, that people didn't respect God. But now he come to this point where the judgment of God has come and he hesitates. It's, it's like he's ready to bargain or negotiate with God. But by that point, it's too late. God has been patient. God has been looking. God has been waiting for people to turn to him. And now he says, hurry. He hesitates. Notice it says that the men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and of his two daughters and he led them safely out of the city. And 
they, as soon as they brought the man, they said, Pray for your lives. Don't look back. Well, what does Lot do? Instead of obeying, instead of hanging out, verse 18, he wants to play and negotiate with a leader. Lot said to them, No, my words, please. Hey, I can't run this far. <coughs> he said, there's a, there's a town nearby. Can I go there? Can I head out? Oh, he's, he's granted that request. How do I play those kind of games? God. Not taking seriously. Oh, you know, what if uh, I was to come in here and somehow had the inside track and said, you know, there's going to be a major earthquake that's going to happen in five minutes. we got to hit out. Well, you might But if you didn't run out the door, it would mean you didn't really play philosophy. You weren't really listening. In this case, God has made it clear. He said over and over again, He had sent His angels. He had sent His messengers. He wanted Lot to believe. He wanted Lot to follow, to head out. It says here the sons-in-laws didn't escape. They didn't even take it seriously enough to hesitate. They were willing to stay behind. And we know that that was a disaster in what had happened, in what had transpired. Um, and it's so sad as we read here and as we look, verse 20, and we read about, will my life be spared? And then it's granted in 21. And then they headed out and what you notice here in verse 23, it says, By the time Lot reached Zor, the sun had risen over the land. It's early in the morning when the discussion starts. But the sun rises. So there was a discussion that went on for a while. To the point where one commentator said, It almost taxes the reader's patience as this goes on and on and on. Instead of not taking God seriously and listening to what he has to say. And so in verse 24, we see that he rained down fire. And there have been those who want to describe well exactly what happened and how, you know, how did God do this. The point is he did do it. Verse 26, uh, it says, Thus he overthrew those cities, the entire plain, including all those living in the cities and also the vegetation in the land. An important word in there is the word overthrew, which is a picture of people who are high being brought low. People who didn't have time to listen to God. They're now going to be brought low. This is not fun stuff for preachers to talk about. But it's the reality of who God is. God says if we don't take him seriously, there's a price. That's eventually going to be paid for that. Look, look at verse 26. We, we see the connection, um, not only with Lot, but his family. Lot's wife looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. In Luke 17, Jesus speaks briefly about this, and he just says, remember Lot's wife. She looked back. Jesus says that when you trust me, you are, you are put your hands to the plow and you're going to go ahead. You're going to follow him. My apostle, I'm going to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship that you're going to suffer. You come and lock him in his death and so somehow to attend the resurrection from the dead. To have that walk of going forward. He says, I'm going back. And this morning, you know, just honestly, honest. 
really matters to you? Is there some area of your life that, you know, is not pleasing to God? The God whose eyes are too pure to look on evil already promised. We live in an epidemic of a land of pornography on the internet. We live in a land of jealousy. We live in a land where people tear each other apart. I mean, I'm not going to start resisting sins. Uh, we live in a land where no one's blushes anymore. <laughs> That's not our God. If you think about it, you've you got Lot's wife that, that looked back. You've got the sons-in-laws that never even left. You've got Lot that wanted to negotiate. He and his daughters finally did get out of there. What about you? What about the people in your life? Because there's those kind of people in your life that may either be looking back or they don't want to go at all. You know, I'm just going to wait, see what happens. I'm just going to keep doing this. Or I'm just going to stay here. I told, it's been a long time that I told a story of one of my friends growing up. He got into drugs and, and had some struggles with that. Couldn't seem to get through it. And we finally parted ways because, you know, he just kept wanting me to go get high with him. I had given my heart to Christ and I knew I could keep doing that stuff. Just keep doing that stuff. And I hadn't heard from him for, I don't know, years. And one night I could call him in the middle of the night. Of course, it didn't so long when he said his name. I'm like, didn't? Well, two in the morning, you know. Can't think anyway. His mother was in the hospital dying. So I went to the hospital, ended up seeing him, spending some time, got reacquainted. He disappeared out of my life again, and then I found out um, he was shooting up some drugs with some other people. Somebody shot him up, left him behind, and stole his money. He ended up in a nursing home for the rest of his life. Man, there's prices. That paid when we don't go God's direction and when we don't follow Him. Constantly looking over our shoulders instead of looking at Christ. And looking for, for His heart and, and for Him. Once you notice Abraham here, um, it says uh, verse 27 early the next morning, Abraham got up and returned to the place where he had stood. Before the Lord. He looked down for Sodom and Noah, for all the land of the plain, and he saw dense smoke rising from the land, like smoke from the promise. Abraham's been praying for the Lord. He appears to me the only one serious in this whole story. Totally serious. Lot kind of played the game. His wife looked back because she was really longing to go back. The daughters are there, but we'll just kind of follow him. Son of all stayed behind. Abraham's by himself. Why? Because he's taking God seriously. And he's looking out of that plane. I don't think he was crying. I don't think he was weeping. I don't think he was afraid. What's going to happen to Lot? What's going to happen to my family? And then he sees the, the sulfur and he, he sees the smoke and he sees the destruction. And 
in this awful earth. And we know that God ended up sparing Paul. I guess that's my hope for all. We need to take God seriously. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's around the corner. But we act as if nothing is ever going to happen. We're never going to have to pay a price for our sin or any of that. In Hebrews 9.27 says, Just as it is appointed for man to die once and face die once he'll face judgment. He'll die and face judgment. Man. None of us escape death. As I said, the statistics are complete. One out of every one person dies. We're headed that direction toward you know, I think back to 911, you know, the towers, and most of us, you know, remember that moment where you were, and churches began to be full. People took God seriously. It was patriotism. And, of course, that window. Does God have to do something to, to shake us and to stir us and to remind us that He's a serious God? That he's not to be just ignored. He's God, you know, you're like my pet. If I need you, I'll call on you. I'm not going to worry about you for anything important. He's holy, guys. He's the living God. He's not someone we control. He's someone we are to worship. Matter of fact, a lot of people in prophecy say, you know, the United States is not found in prophecy. Why? Well, there's a good chance because we're not even going to be here. He's still the enemy's God. I just got a couple of verses that close out here that I want to uh, share. Isaiah 66, verse 2. What a great verse. Uh, I want to share a couple of people. Right now, there, this is probably uh, Isaiah 66, 2. This is God talking. He says, This is the one I see. He who is humble and contrite in heart. And trembles at my word. So who's the one God says that he respects? What's he look for? Not the one who has all the answers. Not the one who, I am from the church every Sunday. I'm happy to have you Yeah, man, whatever. He says, this is the one I see, the one who's humble. The one who's contrived in heart. The one who says, God, I need, like the song, like the hymn says, I need thee, Lord, every hour. Lord, I need Man, he is contrite, humble in heart. And, and I'll be honest with you guys, the one that gets me in that verse, it says, and trembles. When was the last time you trembled? That's what God says. When was the last time you took that seriously? Philippians 2, 12 and 13 and Contemporary English version says, So work with fear and trembling to discover what it really means to be saved. God is working in you to make you willing and able to obey Him. I, I, I like that translation of your English version because it says, you know, You've got to work. And you work with fear and trembling, which means you respect Him, you, re- you revere Him. Why? To discover what it really means to be saved. As you follow God, as you obey Him, that doesn't save you. But as you walk over time with a living God, you discover what it really means to be saved. You discover He's 
Continue. He's working in you to make you willing and able to obey him and to follow him. And you see his grace is real and that Jesus is alive and that he makes a difference. It says in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And when he starts with you, he'll carry you through. That's what the scripture talks about. Let me close up a verse of Hebrews 12.14. Interesting verse, as I thought about this importance of taking God seriously. It says, um, make every effort to live in peace and be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Okay, so we're called to make an effort. God's in you. He calls you that fear and trembling. Make every effort to live in peace with each other. There's peace with God, and then there's peace among us that comes out of that peace. Peace with God, peace among us that comes to that peace. He's making you live in peace and be whole. Be set apart. Be different. To take God seriously. And, and that last phrase is what really gets me, guys. He says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And I read that two ways. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. If we don't take God seriously, if we don't do as the Bible says, which is to repent, to turn from our sins and to place our trust in His one way, which is Jesus Christ, the Savior, who is alive, risen from the grave, who has conquered sin... He's what makes us holy. And unless that holiness lives in us, we will not see the Lord. Without, we won't be with Him for all eternity. And we won't see Him. That's one way to look at it. Here's the second way. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. We don't take God seriously. God ever You're not going to see Jesus in you and me. We've got a world, guys, that needs to see Jesus. And He is a God that says, My patience will come to an end in an eternity. He wants that. He longs for that with an eternity. And I guess I come to that challenge to all of us. Take uh, us seriously. What does that mean? Well, I don't know. Maybe there's someone here. And and you're, you know, where Hannah was. You thought about God and, and you begin to understand that you need, you need someone to forgive you. There's only one that can do that, and that's Jesus, and you need to ask Him to come into your life and to change you and transform you. Maybe that's where you are. You know, we'd love to celebrate with you. You don't need us, you need Him. But if you just pray and say, God, forgive me in my heart. And then when you do that, to come before the, the church family and say, man, this is what happened to me this morning. And to celebrate that and, and to nail that down. Maybe that is what take God seriously means. Maybe what take God seriously means to you is you are looking back. There's something in your life that is keeping you from seeing the full grace of God. You know what the next verse says? Hebrews 12, 15 says, see to it that no one misses the grace of God. Don't look back and miss the grace of God. Maybe that's what take God seriously means. He's saying, stop looking back in this particular area. Today's the day to get that right. I don't know how God may be speaking, but I just want to speak. He's not only the God who has spoken, he's the God who is speaking. That's Lord, uh, thank you for your word. I thank you for 
Father, joy of celebrating baptism with Hannah and the people about taking you seriously this morning. Father, what do you want to do in your people? What do you want to do among us who are gathered today? I know it's to take you seriously in some fashion. So, Master, just speak to us and move us according to your plan this morning. That's what we pray. That's what we long for. At this time, we call response or invitation. It's simply that we respond to you, the living God. And as you invite us to take you seriously, that we would. So, Master, as we stand and sing, move us according to your wonderful spirit. In your name we pray. Amen.